just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. We are back on the Rational Boomer Podcast. Hope your week is going well. You know, the last time we spoke, I spent some time talking about my brother-in-law passing away and about death in general. And as unfortunate as it may seem, since that time, I was notified about another friend of mine who passed away on December 4th. Now, this is a little different situation. I've known this guy a long time, 45 years, since high school. And he and I were very close friends. you got to understand, this was a very good-looking kid, very athletic kid, very easygoing kid. And he was a sensitive guy. A lot of his friends didn't know that. But he and I spent a lot of time talking about deeper things. He went through a very tough life. He experienced a lot of tough things. His family was a good family. But there was a lot of difficulties within his growing up. And he came to be very introspective and very sensitive. And I was one of the few guys that could talk to him on that level. Most everybody is about getting drunk, partying, going out and having fun. And he did that as much as anybody. But there are moments in time when you have to talk to somebody about something more in depth than partying and drinking. And I had many times with him talking like that. Now, unfortunately, I haven't seen him much in the last 15 years. You grow older, you have families, you have kids, you have grandkids, you have responsibilities. It's tough to reconnect like you did every day during high school. But that didn't make him any less close a friend. When you did see each other, everything came right back to where it was when you were together in high school, and you just kind of started from there. Now, this man was going through some difficulties physically. He had multiple sclerosis, and it was taking a toll on his body. This was a good-looking kid, like I said. He was very athletic. But last time I saw him, he was kind of puffy walking very gingerly, and not in good shape. It was sad to see. But you still try to reconnect like you did back in the old days, try to make it feel like it was back then, but it wasn't that way for him. Now, there was no indication that he would pass away, and I don't know all the details of his death as yet. But he had multiple sclerosis, and somehow he fell. Now, I don't know how he fell, where he fell, or what it did when he fell, but that fall apparently was contributing to his death. And it's a sad day when you find out somebody you grew up with, somebody you were close friends with, passes away. I guess at our age, when I say our, I know there's a lot of people out there around my age, I'm 61, I guess this becomes more consistently happening, people around you dying. You have your parents die, you had your grandparents die, now as you get older, it's people of your peer group that are dying. And that can set you back on your heels a little bit, make you focus. Because when you're a young man, when we were hanging out together back in the old days, fuck, we were immortal. We did some crazy shit. And as I look back on it, I wonder how we're still alive. Now, 
as I say, we all grow up. We do things. We have families. We have responsibilities. You try to connect as much as you can, but you don't because you got families to contend with. The point I'm trying to make is when you get to a certain age and people start dying around you that are of your vintage, of your peer group, it gets a little disconcerting. You finally realize that you're not immortal, that that day will come at some point. If you have your health now, you're fortunate, but it's like a negative lottery, that kind of thing, muscular sclerosis, cancer, whatever. That could crop up any time in any one of us, no matter how healthy or how unhealthy we are. So it's a little more of a crapshoot for us as we get older. We can't let that hang over our heads and worry about it, though. We have to live our life, enjoy our life, and try to find as much joy as we can. And I'm fortunate that I have that opportunity with my family and my surroundings and my lifestyle and all that. The joy is there, the fun and all that stuff. But you never know when it's going to come. So you got to enjoy every moment like it could be your last. Because as I'm finding out with my peers and relatives and such, that last day comes quickly and sometimes it's a surprise. Fortunately, with those people that have passed... I have one thing that can never be taken away from me. Those are the memories and experiences I've had with those people. Those will live on as long as I live on. And those are probably some of the most valuable possessions I have. The memories, the experiences, the fun, the things you did throughout your life. So his name is Wade. I want to wish him the best. We'll miss him and uh, hope to see you again someday. Anyway, let's talk about some of the news that's going on. There's a lot of stuff going on. Some of it kind of funny, too. (laughs) I always like talking about the funny shit because the shit is funny, even though it's not supposed to be funny. The House Select Committee is still going through its machinations uh, about interviewing people. They've interviewed more than 250 people, so they've got a lot of information already. We haven't seen it as yet, but we will, because as I told you in a previous podcast, they are going to start having uh, public hearings. It'll be on TV, it'll be in prime time, and a lot of these people they've talked to, will show up on television, and you'll be able to see exactly what they're saying. The House Select Committee is pulling all this information together, and they are kind of setting it up as a show for us to see. And when we see it, we'll be fucking amazed. Well, they got one kind of coup, I guess, and no pun intended. But Mike Pence's chief of staff, Mark Short, is now cooperating with the House Select Committee. In fact, the committee is getting a lot of cooperation from Pence's aides. Now, here's the interesting thing about Mark uh, Mark Short. He's not a Trump toady. That doesn't mean he's not going to try to protect Trump and Pence and all that sort of stuff. But he's a younger man. He has a career up in front of him. He can't afford to die on the vine with the likes of Donald Trump or Mike Pence, for that matter. He sees what's in front of him. He's not wanting to go to court and not having to risk criminal contempt of court. So his only choice is to speak out and cooperate, which is what he's doing. He really can't lie because if he gets caught lying, and they'll know he's lying because of all the people they've already talked to, he'll go to jail for that. 
So we can only hope that he's going to be upfront and honest about what's going on. And that's important because Mark Short was the chief of staff for Mike Pence. He was in on all the meetings. He stood outside the door when Mike Pence went into Donald Trump. And Donald Trump basically says, you better do this or you're a pussy. Nobody like you anymore. That's exactly what he said. Mark Short was in the meeting when that lawyer Eastman laid out his plan for how they could overthrow the election and the government. So he's seen a lot. He knows a lot. He's talked to Pence. Now, Pence might even get a subpoena at some point, but he hasn't as yet. And so Mark Short is going to come in and talk about some of the happenings at the highest possible level in the White House. You got Donald Trump and you got Mike Pence. Donald Trump's trying to convince Mike Pence to do the ridiculous and not certify the election, something he wasn't in a position, nor did he have the power to do. But Donald Trump said he did. He kept pressuring Mike Pence. Mike Pence is a wimp, so he tried to figure out a way to get what Donald Trump wanted done. He couldn't do it, so he did the only thing he could do constitutionally and certified the election. Well, that made Donald Trump mad. Mark Short was part of that whole process. He was the chief of staff. He knew what happened. He heard what happened. So when he's deposed by the... uh, By the House Select Committee, it'll be very interesting to see what he tells us. I know you're waiting and you're worrying about the House Select Committee. You're thinking, when are they going to do something? When are they going to finally get this taken care of? Well, trust me, they are. They already have a lot of information, probably enough information to send to the DOJ to get people indicted. But they want to get all their ducks in a row. They want to get it in order so they can present it to the public and gain two things here. The possibility of indictments by the DOJ and exposing the truth to the American public. And that's what I've said before. You expose it to the American public and that's going to have a serious impact on 2022 and 2024. When we see just how corrupt the Republicans, Donald Trump, the administration, all these people were, and working in conjunction to make this happen, to undermine our democracy, to overthrow our government, who in their right mind, other than the base, is going to be willing to vote Republican? It's important that Joe Biden get his bills passed, but this is also important, too. Everybody needs to see, needs to know, needs to hear the evidence that proves what these clowns actually did. And it's appalling. It's like nothing we've seen in our country's history. This is, uh, was a frightening time. This country was on the verge of losing its democracy and being taken over by an autocracy. That's a frightening time. I can't think of another time when we've been close to that. But somehow, Donald Trump and his fucking little minions were able to put us in a position like that, like never before. So that's the good news. Mark Short is now cooperating with the House Select Committee. He was the chief of staff for Mike Pence. There's got to be a lot of important information coming on there, and uh, we'll be able to hear it sometime soon. We've also heard that the DOJ has now filed a lawsuit against Texas 
for their voting rights violation of Section 2. Now, there's another way we can handle these uh, voter suppression laws that Texas and Georgia and all these other places are putting in place. And that's by passing the National Voters' Rights Bill that's uh, gone, gone in front of the House and needs to go in front of the Senate. But in order to do that, they've got to somehow cut out or do away with the filibuster. Now, of course, Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema don't want to do that. So something has to be done with regards to that. Because the voter suppression laws just can't stand. Texas has a larger Hispanic community. And what the Texas government is trying to do is trying to negate those Hispanic voters so that the white people can win again, so that Republicans can win again. Now, the DOJ has noticed this and sees that it's illegal, so they're filing a lawsuit. Now, what will come out of that? I don't know. I don't think we should count on that lawsuit to fix things in Texas, especially since we've got other problems in other states as well. They'll sue them too, but will it work? Will it work in time? Now, I know the DOJ is pushing very fast on this particular situation, mainly because they want it to take effect before the primary elections that are coming up in March. So this has got to happen pretty quickly. But even if that doesn't happen, more importantly, we have to have the voter rights bill passed in Congress. It's going to take some doing. And I know a lot of people are complaining about it. Why hasn't Joe Biden done it? Why hasn't he done it? Well, he's got to take things a step at a time. He got the infrastructure bill passed. He's got to pass the Build Back Better bill. Then the voting rights. In the process, they had to somehow at least delay the budget for the country so we didn't go into default. They just did that, but they only extended it to February 18th. They can't get the whole deal done for the whole year or the whole biennium or whatever it is. It's fucking ridiculous. We take baby steps in this in something that's very obvious that needs to be done that has always been done in the past, something that the Republicans have done with some regularity. But this time, it's tough. And... Uh, it puts us in a bad situation. The fact of the matter is the Republicans can't afford to have our country go into default. But what they're doing is they're dicking around with the Democrats in hopes that it makes them look bad, like they can't do anything. Well, the only group of people that don't do anything in Washington, D.C. are the Republicans. I mean, think about it. What have they fucking done? They have no basis, no policy Nothing. They don't want to do anything. All they do is give tax breaks to the rich. Well, that doesn't do us any good and who we are and what we're trying to accomplish. So it's going to be interesting to see how that all shakes out. This all has to go the right way in order for this country to run. And whether the Democrats will be tough enough or strong enough to make that happen, I don't know. I can only hope that's the case. I can't imagine it going any other way. Now, one other thing before we take a break, I want to talk about Joe Biden. He is going to be talking to Vladimir Putin today, Tuesday, depending on when you're listening to it. It is Tuesday. 
He's going to talk to Vladimir Putin. And what he's going to talk to him about, among other things, is about this situation in Ukraine. The Russians are amassing some 90,000 troops near the border. The rumor is that they want to invade Ukraine and take it back for their own. I believe they had it back when they were the USSR. USSR, USSR crashed and they lost it. But now they want to get the Ukraine back. Now, Ukraine's not in NATO, and Joe Biden may want to try to get them into NATO, and Vladimir Putin doesn't want that to happen because that sets a whole different situation up. If Ukraine's in NATO, then the NATO group will bring in all kinds of weapons and and, uh, troops and that sort of thing, not just America, NATO in general. So Vladimir Putin doesn't want that. So now Joe Biden has to talk to Vladimir Putin. Now, this is going to be much different than what we saw with Donald Trump. You remember, Donald Trump talked to Vladimir Putin on a number of occasions, but he always did it in private. We had no idea what he said or what Vladimir Putin said. We can only assume that uh, Donald Trump got on bended knee and kissed the ring, if not some other part of the anatomy, uh, because all he did is cave in to Vladimir Putin. He saw Vladimir Putin as a tough guy, and he wanted to be his friend. Well, it does no good being a friend to Vladimir Putin or the Russians, because they know the game. They want you to be their friends, so then they can take advantage of you. So Joe Biden has to go at this a little different when he talks to Vladimir Putin today regarding Ukraine. He's got to be tough. Now, America is not going to send troops in there and try to fight the Russians and keep them onto the Ukraine. That's just not on the table. That doesn't make any sense. However, as I've told you before, Russia has a lot of problems. They have a lot of nukes. Yes, they do. But they also have a shitty economy. They have people that hate Putin. That country is unstable, as I've said many times before. They need a lot of things. And if America decides to sanction them very hard, it could cause problems and strife within the country. And if those sanctions spawn other sanctions from other countries, it's going to make it even worse. It's going to make Vladimir Putin look very bad, and it's going to be bad for the country. So that's what Joe Biden has to do. He has to sit down and talk to Vladimir Putin. Now, they won't be face-to-face. It'll be like a Zoom meeting. It'll be on video. But he'll be talking to Putin, and uh, you can bet Joe Biden's going to be tough with this situation. He has to be tough. If he isn't tough with Putin, he's going to look horrible when they decide to go into the Ukraine or at least push the envelope and make it look like they're going into the Ukraine. I don't know if they're testing uh, Biden or they're really trying to take it over or what. It's a lot of saber rattling, and that happens a lot in this world. People will make threats. They don't necessarily intend to act on those threats, but they'll make them just to, I don't know, for negotiation points or whatever. But when you're talking about Russia and Vladimir Putin, you have to take them uh, for what they're worth. They are certainly capable of going into the Ukraine and trying to take it over and telling the rest of the world to fuck themselves. Well, Joe Biden can't allow him to do that. He's got to put the pressure on during this conversation, and make sure Vladimir Putin knows who's boss. 
Now, I know Vladimir Putin thinks he's a tough guy, but the fact of the matter is Joe Biden has enough power and sanctions with the U.S. and other countries, you could essentially shut down Russia economically. And maybe that's what they have to threaten. And if they persist, maybe that's what you have to do. Now's the time to be tough with Putin. Iran wild. He was rogue during Donald Trump's reign. And now he's got to be reined in and muzzled because he is not safe to have loose on this country. A lot of other smaller countries are frightened to death of Russia and Putin and what they might do. And we don't need somebody else like a Hitler or Mussolini or somebody trying to take over the world. Because trust me, if Vladimir Putin and the Russians thought they could get away with it, they would fucking do it in an instant. So Joe Biden has to put his foot down. He has to say, enough is a fucking enough. You want to play around? Okay, but this is going to cost you and your country, and we are going to do it. Donald Trump talked a lot. He never followed through with anything, but I guarantee you this, Joe Biden will. He has no choice. He can't allow them to go into Ukraine. For the sake of the people in the Ukraine and for the sake of his own perception, his own image in the world. He's trying to take back the lead that Donald Trump gave away when he was in office. Now, if he wants to do that, he's got to handle this situation and handle it properly. Thankfully, he's very experienced, having been in the Senate so many years, having been vice president, and having had conversations with Vladimir Putin before. And trust me, he's not afraid of Vladimir Putin, and he's not enamored with Vladimir Putin like Donald Trump was. It's going to be a much different situation. And it's not going to be a good day for Vladimir Putin because he's not going to get what he wants. So we'll we'll be watching that closely and we'll let you know what happens with that situation. All right, let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Okay, we've got a lot to get to in the second half. Have you seen that video going around the Internet? gentleman by the name of Vishal Garg. He is the CEO of a company called Better.com. This is a huge mortgage company. He pulled together a Zoom meeting with a bunch of his employees, 900 employees, as a matter of fact. And when he first got on, he seemed a little nervous, seemed to have a difficult time pulling the words together to say what he wanted to say, maybe even a little emotional. In fact, he said last time he had to do something like this, he cried. Oh, poor Vishal. He's such a sensitive man. Don't you feel sorry for him? Well, then he proceeds to fire all 900 employees on that Zoom meeting. Well, here's my question to Vishal. When has the real estate market been any better than it is now? And you're firing 900 people, 900 employees? Either you're a horrible businessman or you're a greedy motherfucker or some combination thereof. But that's how this world fucking works. Rich people will scrape 
and scrape and try to make as much money for themselves, employees be damned. Now, I'll tell you this. I started out in the workforce when I was about 14, so we're talking about the mid-70s. And my whole life working for other people, it was the same thing. The people that owned the companies, the people that managed the companies, they all acted like they were elite, that they were the driving force behind these companies, and they were the only reason for their success. Now, what they did to the employees was made them feel like they were lucky to have a job, that they were lucky to get the pittance of pay that they donned to give you. You were fortunate to be in this position, to be low-paid and be subservient to these people. Well, times have changed in this world now. Now, many of these companies are desperate for employees. They can't find enough employees for their business. And they will say, well, it's because people are lazy and they don't want to work anymore. And that's not at all true. Everybody wants to work. Everybody has responsibilities. Everybody has families they have to feed. The fact is, they just don't want to work for assholes like you. They're tired of being treated badly. They're tired of being paid poorly. They're tired of being subservient to idiots who are only concerned with gathering as much money and power for themselves. You know, when I was in business, I learned something very quickly. I owned a business, and I had a few people working for me. It wasn't a big company, but I had other people working for me or with me or how you ever want to look at it. Now, being the boss, immediately I thought, well, I'm entitled to all the money. I, I started this thing. I'm taking the risk. I deserve all the money. And I paid people a little bit. Well, I quickly found out that these people took the money, and we had some short-term success. But what happened is these people saw how much money the company was making. They saw how much money they were making, and they became disgruntled. They didn't like the job anymore. When another job came open that was better for them, they jumped ship in a fucking minute. So then I'd have to fire or hire somebody else, and it was a mess. And it just wasn't workable doing it that way. So I quickly figured out that if you pay people what they deserve, what they've earned, and you treat them with respect, and in many ways as peers as opposed to subservient to you, you get a much better outcome. Give them some ownership in the company. So then what you have are people that are getting paid more, and maybe the profit levels are a bit lower, but you can keep doing this forever because these people love the jobs, they appreciate the pay, they trust you, and it's a good place to work. Now, it's funny to me that all these big companies have not realized this. It's all about greed. It's all about grabbing as much money and power as you can get. They get all the benefits. But now, with it's so hard to hire employees, they're getting an awakening. They think everybody's lazy. They're not. They're just tired of your shit. 
But it shouldn't be a problem for these owners and these managers because they've always suggested that they were the reason for the success. They were the reason that these companies made so much money. You were just incidental to this. You were the peons or the slaves doing whatever you do, and you don't really count. Well, now they can't get employees. Now they can't get subservient folks because they're not going to take that shit. So if you really believed what you treated these people like, why don't you keep going? Show us how important you are and how successful you can be. Well, you can't. You fucking can't. And the thing is, hopefully this has opened some eyes, enlightened some people to understand that you need these employees as much as you need the people in the fucking offices with the windows looking out over the city. Those people don't do anything but move papers and try to manage people. But I think most managers don't understand how to manage people. It's not about you being boss and being the big tough guy and cracking the whip. Your job as a manager is to make sure they're as productive as possible so your company makes more money and continually keeps your employees happy. If you're not doing that, you're not doing the job of a manager. There are so many managers in this country that have no clue what they're fucking supposed to be doing. If you have a company, you want it to be productive and you want it to be successful. And you can't do that by playing hot shot, tough guy, fucking boss, because people aren't tolerating it. And now they're not even coming to work for you anymore. Hopefully this opens your eyes. You've got two choices here. You can either hire people, pay them what they're worth, treat them with decency and, 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 and care about these people, or get out of fucking business because you can't do it alone. It's, <laughs> it's a great time for young people in this country who are looking for careers. There are many opportunities out there because people are dying for employees. So what I would suggest to young people is decide what track you want to be in. Apply for a job that's maybe a little higher than you think you qualify for. And I bet you get the job because they need bodies. And let's be honest, no matter what you did in school, no matter what your experience is, once you get in a job, there's a certain amount of ramp up time because you're going to be doing things you've never done before. So you got to learn it on the job. Some people are more adept at learning things on the job, and they don't necessarily have to have a college degree or vast experience. You've got to fit in the culture of the comp company, and you've got to learn on the job. And if you're a fast learner, you can get in there, get the job, prove yourself, and then move up the ladder. Times are changing in this world, in the workplace, and those people that recognize it and react properly will be successful. Those that don't will fucking fade away, and good riddance. All right, did you hear NPR has a uh, new study out? And apparently this study says that pro-Trump counties have three times as more people dying of COVID as pro-Biden counties. Oh, that's a big surprise. In the pro-Trump counties, you got all the anti-vaxxers, the people that hate the masks, and they think COVID is a hoax. But funny thing is, these fucking people are dying three times as much as people in Democratic counties. You would think that would 
turn a light bulb on above their head, they'd realize that and they changed their attitudes because they're not just losing votes, they're losing people. People are fucking dying. People that shouldn't be dying are dying. And these are all Republican voters. They talk about gerrymandering and all that sort of thing, but the Democrats don't have to do jack shit. And we're getting rid of Republican voters by the truckloads with COVID because they refuse to believe that it's a thing, that they should do something to protect themselves from it. It's ironic with all the gerrymandering and all the bullshit the Republicans want to do for everything they do. They're losing a step because they're losing fucking voters. And you know what? They're not going to say, hey, that's a bad idea. Maybe we should change things. They'll do what they always do. They'll fucking double down and they'll keep pushing forward and they'll keep dying. And you know what? Somebody asked me what I thought about this. And I said, uh, Well, jokingly, because it was kind of a crass comment, I said, well, it's a good start, stealing an old joke. But I'm not looking for people to die. I'm looking for people to do what's best for this country. Because over and above these people dying, they keep helping to percolate this virus and turning it into something different. And every time it turns into something different, it could be more dangerous even for those people that are vaccinated. We have this Omicron virus, the variant from COVID-19. It started out in South Africa, then it was in Europe. People thought it started in South Africa. Turns out it was probably Europe. It came quickly to the United States. There was two states, then five states, and now there are 20 states with Omicron viruses going around. Now, the Delta variant is still the dominant variant. You're getting 100,000 cases a day. There are people dying every day. It's not getting better for a lot of people. That said, the people that are dying are the people that aren't vaccinated. And for whatever reason, they still decide not to be vaccinated. I can sit and argue with somebody all day, and they will tell me how the vaccination is bad. I ask them, what is your proof? And they'll blow it off and they'll say they saw it on Fox or wherever they thought they saw it. And they believe it's true. There's nothing I can do to change their minds. I've tried and they just refuse to hear it. They don't want to hear about it at all. So the one thing we're hearing about Omicron, and we're still a ways away from hearing all the specifics about it. Is it more infectious? Is it worse than Delta? Is it, uh, are we still protected with the vaccinations? And frankly, there's a lot we don't know yet. It's going to take a couple of weeks before we know all the facts of this. There's being tests done and studies, and hopefully we'll find out soon what in fact the risk is. But that doesn't stop the spread. It's spreading quickly throughout this country. As I say, Delta is still the dominant. That's still something to be concerned about. But Omicron could be the next phase. We're going into winter now, and we know during the winter months, these viruses get worse. They have for us in the past. They will this time around. Now, the one thing we're hearing about this Omicron is that it apparently is more infectious, maybe three times more infectious than Delta. And Delta was more infectious than COVID. 
So that's not a good thing. Now, some of the early studies are telling us that some of the uh, some of the symptoms from Omicron were a little tamer than what we saw with Delta. Now, that's not an absolute fact that we know as yet, but early indications suggest that, and that would be good news. We've had other variants that kind of petered out or weren't as bad as Delta or COVID, and I don't know if that will be the case with Omicron. Unfortunately, you start talking about variants, and the world explodes with concern and fear and worry. Whether it needs to be worried about or not, that worry is still there, and it's it's well-placed. I mean, you think of all the things we've been through for the last two years with this virus, and it's not hard to imagine people being afraid to going back to where we were when we were locked down and couldn't do anything. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens with Omicron. Give it a couple of weeks. We'll find out more about it, and hopefully it won't be as bad as Delta, and hopefully it's something we can get under control, but it is spreading. That doesn't mean we can't stop worrying about COVID and Delta. That is going through in waves throughout the country, and it's getting worse every day. Now, to this point, the people that are vaccinated are at least safe from getting real sick and going into the hospital. There are breakthrough cases where people get this and can ultimately transmit it to somebody else. They're less likely to get it and less likely to transmit it, but that opportunity is still there. So we still have to be concerned about that. As I've said before, I have my two shots of Moderna. I have my booster shot of Moderna. I have my flu shot. So I feel comfortable that should I get COVID, I'm going to be okay. My biggest concern is I have a granddaughter who's 19 months old. She can't get a shot. The last thing in the world I want to do is give her COVID or Delta or Omicron. I want to keep her safe. And the more people refuse to get the vaccination, just makes her a little less safe. So I take it personally, and yes, I'm pissed off about it. But all I can do is what I can do. And when I'm around somebody who maybe ends up getting COVID, I need to get tested and I need to keep getting tested. And I will do that, whether it be the home test or go in and get it done. I'm taking the fucking test because I'm not risking my granddaughter getting sick because of some other dumb fuckers walking around. Now, here's the funny thing. I just got a call today uh, about somebody who was at a, an event I was at. Now, I was nowhere near this person. But apparently, they have COVID. Just found out about it today. Now, I wasn't anywhere near this person. Uh, I don't know the person. But this person is vaccinated and has the booster and has the flu shot. But they got it. They're not struggling right now. They're not going to go to the hospital. But the question is, can they pass it on to other people? Now, the likelihood she passed it on to me is not very likely. But you can bet in the next few days, I'm going to take a fucking test to make sure. My wife is going to take a test to make sure. You can't be too sure with this stuff because it's very dangerous. And it's sad and it's upsetting that we have people that don't give a shit. So did you hear about Representative Devin Nunes? <laughs> oh, this fucking clown. He is a goofball. 
I mean, he is a conspiracy theory freak. He is a Trump humper, an ass kisser, a liar, a cheat, a criminal, corrupt as hell. He is in the House of Representatives representing California. Well, he made a big announcement today, and he says that he is going to leave Congress for a better opportunity. (laughs) You got a question in this guy's uh, decision-making. I mean, this is a guy who sued people on Instagram, even a cow on Instagram, because they were making fun of him. Oh, no. Yeah, Devin, I think you made the right choice leaving Congress and getting a better opportunity because you did a shit job in Congress, and we're glad to see you go. And I'm sure the people in California are glad to see you go. But it's where he's going (laughs) is what makes it interesting. Apparently, he's going to take the CEO job at Trump Media and Technology Group. Now, if you don't know what Trump Media and Technology Group is, you know, you keep hearing about Donald Trump with his big new platform. He's going to take down Twitter and Facebook. He's been talking about that a long time, and he's had some weak attempts that didn't work. But now he claims to have a lot of money behind him. He's telling everybody that he's got a billion dollars worth of investors. Now, if he does, that's pretty cool. That could help. But it's coming from Donald Trump. So Donald Trump, well, you can't believe shit that comes out of his mouth. And even if he's talking about the right thing, he's definitely overhyping it or making it sound better than it is. So now Representative Devin Nunes is leaving Congress and going to be CEO of the Trump Media and Technology Group. Well, I want to give this tip to Devin Nunes. If Donald Trump has made you any promises, you may want to take that with a grain of salt because Donald Trump is not known for keeping his promises. In fact, he's known for leaving people twisting in the wind as long as he's covering his own ass. But Devin, since you're used to kissing his ass, maybe you'll do better in this situation. But here's another thing you need to consider. Another thing you have to understand. David Nunez is going to take over as CEO of a company run and owned by Donald Trump. Actually, it may be a public company, but you can bet that Donald Trump is going to have his hands on everything, even if it pisses other people off. First of all, Devin Nunez, if you think you're going to be running this company, you're fucking mistaken. Donald Trump gives a lot of people titles But they don't get to do anything because Donald Trump makes all the decisions. So we'll see how happy you are about that when that occurs. Secondly, everything Donald Trump touches fucking fails. You want some examples? Casinos in New Jersey at Atlantic City. Who the fuck loses money with casinos, for Christ's sake? Donald Trump does. He had the stakes. He had the colleges. He had a presidency that was a huge failure. He had the hotel in Washington, D.C., his crown jewel. He just had to sell the rights to it because he did nothing but lose money in this motherfucking thing. Now, if he truly has a a billion dollars worth of investments and he's taking it public, so he's got a, a, a board he has to deal with, 
What are they going to do when it starts losing money? I guarantee you it's going to be losing money. What are they going to do? They're going to try to kick Donald Trump out. But the fucking fact of the matter is Donald Trump is the only selling point they have. They're putting all their money in on Donald Trump's popularity with the fucked up uh, uh, base group that loves this guy. For whatever reason, they think it's more people than it is. At best, it's like 30% of this country. And now not all of those people will get on whatever kind of app Donald Trump comes up with. So he's not going to have a big crowd. He's not going to pull the kind of audience he thinks he can based on what he did with Twitter. It's going to be a failure. And once again, Donald Trump will grift them for as much money as he can stuff in his pocket, and that thing will fucking fail again, and Devin Nunes will go down with it. And good riddance, because Devin Nunes is a piece of shit. But there are a couple of problems here that come before whether this app is actually successful. First of all, why did Devin Nunes leave Congress a cake position he didn't do jack shit. He got paid lots of money. He had lots of power. Why did he leave? Because it was such a great offer from Donald Trump. Well, if you know Donald Trump, you know you're going to get fucked in this deal. Why did you leave? Maybe he's concerned about the next election and doesn't think he can win and doesn't want to be embarrassed by losing. Or maybe it's all these investigations because uh, Devin's kind of a shady motherfucker and he's done a lot of things that aren't good. And there's a lot of people looking into those things. And he may be up for some problems here soon. Maybe even the um, insurrection thing. Maybe he was part of that. Maybe he thinks if he's working for Donald Trump at the time, that Donald Trump will help him with his legal fees. Which is hilarious because Donald Trump doesn't even pay his own legal fees. So why the fuck would he ever help Devin Nunes? And then there's the aspect of the whole entity, the whole company. How is it going to do? You're putting all your money into Donald Trump. He's your savior. He's the one that's going to pull the audience. But what if between now and the time you get this app going, some shit carts coming out? Georgia does the grand jury, indicts Donald Trump. The insurrection is exposed for what it is, shows Donald Trump was involved from beginning to end. He gets indicted. He's going to court. New York comes back. They've indicted his entire company, and now they're going to him next. He gets indicted. Now he's in trial. Now maybe he gets convicted. Does he go to jail? I don't know. But if you have your main focus in your business being indicted by several entities throughout the country, risking him going to jail, how's that going to do for your company? They're assuming he's going to get away with all this, and you know what? He's not. At the very least, everything he's done, everything he's been involved in will get exposed. People will know what kind of piece of shit he is. If he gets indicted, he gets convicted, whatever happens, he'll be done. The fact of the matter is, even if he doesn't go to jail, he'll be absolutely financially ru ruined. This guy will be broke as fuck. Nobody in the country will want to look at him. The Republican Party will walk away from him. It's already starting to a certain extent. And he will be worth nothing. So if these idiots actually did put a billion dollars into him, plan to lose it because it's going to happen. Donald Trump is never a good bet because he never wins. He always loses. The only time he wins is when he cheats. So, 
It's going to be very interesting to see how this new platform goes under the hands of Devin Nunes, who won't be able to do anything because Donald Trump will do it all, and Devin Nunes will collect a salary for a period of time until it starts to fail, and then Devin Nunes will be discarded like everybody else that's ever worked for Donald Trump. It's going to be a fucking mess. And Devin Nunes, we're glad to get you out of Congress because you're a piece of shit. You're a nutcase. You're fucking crazy. You're a conspiracy theorist. We don't need you. We don't want to listen to your shit. Go be a tough guy with Donald Trump. Go down the shitter with him, and we'll be happy to watch. All right, we're running out of time. Let's wrap things up for yet another Rational Boomer podcast. You have questions, comments, complaints, send me an email at rationalboomer at gmail.com. Go to uh, anchor.fm, find Rational Boomer podcast, and you can leave a voicemail message. So you have yourself a great day. We'll talk to you again real soon. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time.